Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Them well, amen? Come home soon. <laughs> um, no, today we're going to, again, once, it, uh, once again, we're going to have someone share a brief moment and today we are so privileged to have Jordy Smith come and Eric's going to bring them. He's going Jordy works here on staff and he has just a passion for people. He has a passion for teaching, uh, getting the word out. He oversees Impact You. He in, in, oversees the sound and uh, he's just doing an amazing job and to listen to him is just really been a pleasure for me. So those of you who have not heard Jordy, um, give it up for Jordy Smith. He's coming forward. And after that, Sheila. Our own Sheila is going to have the service. Thank you, Terry. Now I don't have to introduce myself. That's what I usually do. But hi, I'm Jordy. Uh, like Terry said, I work here at the church. Uh, I oversee a lot of our tech team stuff. So if you have any complaints, let me know and I can work on that. <laughs> don't blame the team. Blame me. <laughs> um, I also oversee our Bible school program here. And, and my lovely wife, Chrissy, was the one that you saw playing piano and... She truly is the most incredible woman that I know. <laughs> so, yeah. And actually, it was just Friday. Yeah, Friday was our five-year dataversary, as I call it. <laughs> five years of being together. So, yeah. So, I've actually been nervous about wanting to share this, but I felt it was important, and Chrissy agreed, and yeah. I think I just will start from there. So... So I don't know uh, how many of you all were here back in uh, late April, um, but I don't know if you remember, we had a guest speaker named uh, Blaine Bartell who came, and he spoke tremendously on his life story of freedom and resurrection from uh, sexual addictions. And if you haven't listened to it, I really do encourage you, go back to April, you can listen to those messages on all of our social media stuff, that's my little plug because I put that stuff up, so you all can listen to it. <laughs> Uh, he also came out to uh, Canmore to a conference that we were holding with Impacting Canada Ministries. I was there present for all of that. And I can tell you that his whole speaking entirely really changed my life. Um, and I guess the reason why for that is I can tell you going back into junior high school, I became addicted to pornography. Out of curiosity, no one introduced it for me. I was just curious and the internet was accessible. So... I ended up looking at that and got addicted to that. And over years, I've been trying to overcome it, reading every book I could on sexual purity, just everything that I could find on that. And, and there was a time when I finally got to college. I had my first breakthrough for a year. I was free. And then I fell back into my old patterns after that and was having issues with that again um, until I got married, where then I was free again for a year. But slowly, it started to come back into my life again. And this time, I was afraid. I was really afraid of what that would mean for me and my relationship and my wife. And this was especially, became even just more, I don't know, fear was gripping me just so much more. Because especially back in, actually it was just this past February, my wife was sharing at a women's event here at the church. I was in the back helping with sound. Um, and... At that time, she actually went before the congregation, the women who were there, and 
she told her testimony, her story about overcoming sexual addiction while in college herself uh, with pornography and how she had found freedom in bringing the sin into the light and becoming open and vulnerable with other people. And I was convicted because I'm sitting here right there doing in the exact same situation, but I'm too afraid to actually bring it out into the light this time. Um, because, I mean, by that point, my wife had already previously praised me for being pure in this area. She had, expe- she had also expressed how she had had tremendous fear of discovering that I was involved in either pornography or anything like that. Uh, furthermore, she had actually had a couple of dreams around that time where in her dreams there were nightmares where I had cheated on her in those dreams. And I'm here sitting, oh, it's okay, it's okay. But in the meantime, really, in a sense, I am cheating on her. I am. I can tell you she felt that way. And furthermore, I work at a church. So I'm here thinking my job is on the line if this ever comes out. And furthermore than that, I had a friend who was coming to me being vulnerable about that area of his life asking for help. And I even remember my wife asked me directly if I had ever viewed porn, and I did straight up lie to her. I did. I was convicted and afraid as she was speaking this out. And I'm just like, I know I need to do this. I know I need to say something. I know I need to reach out for help, but I, I was just afraid. And then time went on. I still struggled and I kept it hidden and life seemed to move on normally until I knew Blaine Bartell was coming to speak, who this is what his whole testimony is about. And really, he told, this, he told his whole story of how his own secret sin, when it came out, totally destroyed his life, his family, his ministry, everything he did. And God did bring it out of it, but he had to go through this hellish period first. He did. And that, that was both convicting and fearful. I was still just so afraid of that. And I know, I know the Bible, and I know you have to bring these things out into the light. You can't get free by yourself. My wife even specifically said that when she spoke. She's like, you can't be free of sin by yourself. You can't. That's why there is a body. You have to bring this to people. And when Blaine was here, he also heavily emphasized how the only way to be free was to become vulnerable and bring the issue to light. It's the only way. And... Actually, during that weekend, I, in my own personal prayer time, I did sense God specifically uh, say to me, if you do not bring this out and confess yourself this weekend, I will bring it out. And you know what I did? I did nothing. I still did nothing. I still kept it secret. So when I went out to the conferences in Canmore to help out and was still convicted the whole time as uh, Blaine was speaking... And then the night I arrived, so then came back from that, and the night I arrived home, I was about to go to bed, and my wife came in with something to say. And just just before I had left, she had found a way to find my search history and everything. And she confronted it about me. And in that moment, I realized her fears were becoming reality. And I had caused one of the most tremendous pains in her life. And this was the moment where I knew God was bringing everything to light because I didn't, and he said he would. And knowing that God had brought it to light and knowing that the only way I could rid this from my life was to open up and become vulnerable to those around me, I immediately, I was just wept before Chrissy. I just broke down and, yeah, I just couldn't stop sobbing in that. And the next day, I immediately went to Pastor Joel and told him everything as well. 
And that was the first time I've actually, I think, I've truly fully experienced God's grace. Like, we say that, but I feel like that's the first time I really did experience it. Because just opening up and sobbing and somebody just even saying, like, yes, you messed up, but it's going to be okay. Christy and I immediately the next day went to her premarital counselors where, again, I brought everything to light again and cried again there. And we went to another one of our church's marriage counselors and did that because I was really determined to do whatever I could to be free at this point. It had already wrecked me. And Plus, I even vowed that to Christy that if our marriage was ever in trouble, I would do whatever it would take. And I decided that I had to. Uh, and then through all that, through recommendation, I actually started attending a ministry group in Red Deer here uh, called Masquerade Ministries, which was, has helped me tremendously with that. And it's a place where I've been able to really be vulnerable with other guys and walk through this with them and just open up. And this whole thing with Blaine, with my wife, with how all this come out, it really showed me just so much of the importance of opening up to people, reaching out to people, having a community, because if you don't have that and something's going wrong, you, you don't have a way to get out. You don't have a way. You have to open up to people. And I realize, I don't know if sometimes it's our culture or just me, but we don't. And I realize, like, so many people, they would see me here at the church. They would see what I've been doing here, and they think he's fine. And I wasn't. And I didn't have close enough people to even bring that to light to. There wasn't people I felt like I could come to and say, hey, I am struggling, to reach out to my friends and those around me who may be struggling themselves too and to ask them, how are you? Where are you at? Can we actually have a real conversation? Can we actually connect and just talk? Where are we at? Because we need each other. And it's not to be a pity party. It's we need each other. I could have avoided this if I just had people I could have opened, I knew I could open up to, which was definitely on me. I'm like, I need to provide that for other people now. I just have to. And I'm still growing, I'm still developing, still doing whatever I can to build these relationships, these connections. And my wife has been the most graceful person in all of this. And I really am more in love with you than ever before. But yeah, that is, that's my story. And I, and I hope it helps people here too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jordan, I was crying. I looked over at Lawrence and he's still crying. <laughs> that's what I love about Impact Life Church. And that's what I love about Pastor Joel and Jamie. And the going deeper that we're doing, like Pastor Joel's been teaching on that. Oh, just, thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. And when somebody does that, you know, like the fear inside of you, you think, oh, I'm going to be rejected. But doesn't it draw people to you? The, the, the lie the enemy tells you is that they're going to go. And really what the truth is, is, oh, thank God someone's struggling too. Can I help you? Will you help me? And that's where we're heading. 
you know, with going deeper this year and all of these testimonies, I, Kyla's was particularly helpful to me because of the healing journey. And I'm sure that all of you have been touched by some of the messages that have come up today. And so it really actually, Jord goes, I don't even know where Jordy went. Oh, sound, back to the sound booth. <laughs> it really actually goes with what I want to share today, and it kind of really is a great launching pad for me. Pastor Joel asked Barry to teach last week on his book, which he did, and I wanted to let you know, if you were here last week and you didn't get a chance to buy his book, he's on vacation now for a couple weeks, but he'll be back and he'll be having them available for you in, in the foyer, and I would really recommend that you get it. So he asked him to teach, and then Pastor Joel asked me to teach this week, and he sa- I said, well, what, what, do you want me, what do you want me to go along with? Like, what do you want me to preach on, to share on? And he said, you know what, just share what's on your heart. Well, <laughs> I wish he almost would have said, no, say this. But so I went to God, and I thought the safest place for me to teach from is what I do. If, if I work at the church. If you don't know who I am, I work in the pastoral side, the pastoral care side. I'm on staff, and I have a group of people that work with me, and we just handle the, the, the behind-the-scenes care, kind of like what Jordy was talking about. Like, it's our department that will run Freedom Session. So if you have questions about that, there is information in the foyer about Freedom Session, as well as a registration form. And even just reading over the registration form kind of gives you insight into what it is. And that testimony is a great um, kickoff, (laughs) surely. It's a great kickoff for what what is Freedom Session. That's exactly what it is. He joined um, Masquerade ministry where he's gaining support. That's one avenue as well. Freedom Session will be another. And it's we all have stuff. Whether we're on staff, whether we're in holding a microphone or not, and if we don't get help and deal and be real with who we are as people, we'll crash. We won't sustain what the anointing brings on us because character is what holds you in place. And I've found that too. So I surround myself with every season of life. And I, you know, I'll just share some things from my heart, just like from a mother point of view, from a pastoral point of view. And just from a care point of view, you will go through every season. In this audience is every season. Young moms, lots of young moms, singles, newly married, ones that are putting their kids in school. Some of you will be sending yours to high school. Some of you are having your kids leave home. Every one is a season. And with that season comes challenges and things that you don't know are going to hit you. You'll get to be my age, and then you're dealing with aging parents. My mom passed away a few years ago, and that kind of hit me like, whoa. So the flippancy of, you know, walking past somebody and saying, I'm so sorry, really changed to, oh, how are you? Because <laughs> it hurts. So every season that we go through, we need support. When my kids were little and went off to school, I needed other moms to to talk with, to pray with. But that never changes. For it doesn't matter what season you're in. And if you don't take time, if you don't take time to build a network, you won't have a network when you really need it. You cannot reap where you have not sown. You cannot reap where you have not sown. 
So if you find yourself alone, seeds have not been sown. Rhymes. So it's just, come on, Terry. So, but the beautiful thing about Jesus is, is you can begin any, anywhere in your whole life and just to begin to sow. Just today, you could be sitting there and think, wow, okay, don't have that. Begin tomorrow. Get up tomorrow and on purpose begin to plant. So that's not my sermon, but I probably, you know, I mean, I have notes. I do have notes. So what I want to share with you today is found in James 1, 19 to 20. And this scripture, I bet, I actually have them written down here. And they're going to be up on the screen. You can go ahead and put those up, the James 1, 19 and 20. And um, this scripture, I've shared a lot at prayer. So if you've been at prayer, we have, we have prayer every Tuesday, but this year it's changing to Thursdays at noon. But every, throughout the whole year, we pray every noon hour, and we, we pray a lot for you and your homes and your families and your kids. And this scripture really helped me navigate in prayer. But it also, God gave it to me because I was asking him at the time, how do I be a better leader? So he gave me these words. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Can you, can you go back to me, for me to verse 19? Because I want to unpack this. Actually, I want to do these three words. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. So that covers y'all. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And if you look that slow to get angry up in the Amplified, it's slow to get offended and angry. So number one that we're going to talk about, first of all, is quick to listen. And I thought this scripture set me free. And this set me free to learn how to be a better leader. And I have to laugh... um, at the fact that I'm teaching this to you because this was not me. And in some days, this is still not me. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, Lord, maybe there would be somebody else that could teach us, like all you silent people out there. <laughs> but just because you're silent doesn't mean you're a good listener. It just means you're silent. Because I have found that listening is really quite a complicated skill. And I found out some very interesting things about myself. I was a great interrupter. It had affected my marriage. And Lawrence will stand up and wave and say, but I'm better. Right? (laughs) What else could you say? And so I'm a work in progress. And the more I began to meditate on these scripture, on this scripture, and I actually began to read books. I never knew that you could buy books on how to be a good listener and how to ask questions. Because if you're going to be a listener, you have to have something to listen to. So I thought probably a good place to start would be learning how to engage someone else in conversation so I wasn't doing all the talking. And I went on Google and typed in how to books on how to ask questions. 
Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Wouldn't that solve a lot of issues between your teens and you? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Wouldn't that just be wonderful if we really engaged that scripture in our personal lives with just the people that are beside us? Just at a coffee table, just at a coffee shop. And I think that's what Jordy was saying. Like, he needs, he needs community. And you can't have community when you're not listening to each other. So I began to engage this just on that level. But with God and when he gives you a scripture, there's many levels. And there's many statements that he wants to make to you. So the reason that I wanted to share this today is because he, he brought something new to me about faith. I've been on this quest for faith, so I've been reading about healing, I've been reading about faith, I've been reading about questions in the Gospels. I decided to go back through the Gospels with new eyes. And a little while ago, I was reading in Mark, and I want to take you there now because this is about listening. And I'll just tell you, Jesus is about to be crucified. We're going to pick it up just before he's crucified. And... The, the whole stage is being set here. He, he, he got a place to have Passover. He called his disciples with him. They had, they ate the meal together. This is where they identified at this time, they identified that Jesus was, or Judas was going to betray Jesus. So then everybody was dismissed. So now I'm going to go, um, to Mark chapter 14, verse 26 to 28. And I just love you people in the sound booth because I had typos in my scriptures and wrong scriptures. And Kaya came to me this morning and said, there is no 27 <laughs> in one of them. And I said, I know. And she said, it's okay. She came early to fix it for me. Mark 14, verse 26 to 28. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. So now they, the Passover has happened and Judas has gone to betray him. And he's going to be crucified very soon. So he's going to be taken to court. He's going to be accused wrongly. He's going to be beaten and he's going to hang on a cross and he's going to be put in a tomb. But just before that, they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, Jesus told them, all of you, all of you will desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead... Okay, so he told them, I'm going to be raised from the dead. This is not the first time he told them. If you read through the Gospels, he told them lots. In fact, it's in Mark 8, it's in Mark 9, it's in Mark 10. Like just in Mark's recording. He said, I would, I'm coming back. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And here he says, but after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and I will meet you there. And now I'm reading this and I'm thinking... That's pretty specific. Go to Galilee. Not only did he say, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise from the dead, but I'm going to give you one other statement. I'm going to meet you somewhere. I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And I will meet you there. Okay, so then if you read Mark chapter 15, which we won't do, Jesus dies. He's buried. He's risen from the dead. Pick it up in Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, 
Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Okay, these people know that he was going to rise again. It's not on their mind. Like this, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, so you really didn't expect this. He told you, he told you specifically. And you're not thinking, you're not thinking like that at all. And you know, I kind of look at this and I, and I'm like, jeepers, people. But <laughs> when you look back at yourself, you think, didn't Jesus tell you some things? Like, like me? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm just dealing with myself here. <laughs> didn't Jesus tell you some things? I think, yeah. Okay. So here they're off to, a, to anoint his body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? So they're, they're already concerned about things that aren't even there. That's not even their problem to solve. Jesus isn't even, even there. So they're totally, totally on the other side of this equation. Next one. I know you wouldn't know. Roll the side. When they entered the tomb, they saw shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. Don't. Now you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Just pause there for a second. To me, this scripture is so kind. So kind. You came here knowing he had said to you that he wouldn't be here, but you came here. Now, I want to show you something. Not only will I tell you something, but now I want to show you. See? See? See with these eyes? You should have been able to see and hear when he told you, but you didn't. But you didn't. You didn't see it then. But can I show you now? Can I show you right in front of me? He's not here. Go to the next one. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, because Peter's the one who denied Jesus. And so he wanted Peter to know it's okay. That Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. The angel reminded him, you will see him there just as he told you before he died. So not only did Jesus tell them, now the angel's reminding them. Look at the kindness. Oh, when I read this, I thought, oh, the overwhelming, wonderful kindness of God, the reckless love, the love that says, man, I love you. You didn't get it the first time. How about this? How about when I show you? How about when I send an angel, put you in the tomb? You went to the place that you knew I wouldn't be there. You went there anyway. Stupid, stupid you. That's what I'm looking. I'm thinking about myself. What are you thinking? He told you. Okay, it's okay. See, he's not here. Remember, he told you. You will see him there. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. Remember, he told you. I love this. I love this. Okay, there's hope for me. There's hope for me. Like, you're not getting it? Okay, now do you see it? Do you get it now? I, I'm just thinking, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So let's keep going. The woman fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Oh. Uh, yeah, that, 
that was a, it's okay. I'll, I'll just do it here. Um, she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and she told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. So now we're dealing with unbelief. Verse 12, afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the, into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. All of these people, all of them knew. They all knew. They all knew. And, and, and then they saw him, and then someone else would go running and say, guess what? I saw him. He's alive. It should have said, remember when he said he'd meet us in Galilee? If you're really full of faith, we should have just hit Galilee as soon as they took him. It's okay, but we don't do that because we got to deal with our soul. We got to deal with what we see in the natural, what we feel in the natural, and, what, and look how they beat him and look how they treated him. We got to deal with all of that. We got to get past all of that and get back into faith. But remember... He said, he said, he said, he said. Remember what he said? Remember what he said? And that's what I tell myself from the scripture. Remember what he said, Sheila? Don't be afraid. You don't need to worry about your money. Remember what he said? Remember what he said? He said he'd take care of you. He said he'd look after you. He said he'd never leave you. He said he'd never forsake you. He said he really cares about you. Remember what he said? What did he say to you? Oh, I just... But no one believed them. I'm a little lost. What verse are we in? Verse 14 then? Still later he appeared to the 11 disciples. Okay, this part is really interesting. So they were eating together. So now Jesus is back with his disciples. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. So Jesus shows up. So he's, he's told them before he died. And he dies, rises again. Has an angel tell them, look, look, he's not here. He's not here. I want you to see this. He's not here. Remember what he said. Then he puts him in remembrance of what Jesus had said. Then they go rush out. Jesus starts to appear to them, first appeared to Mary Magdalene. She runs out and tells other people they don't believe her. Somebody else runs out and tells some people they don't believe her. Jesus gathers his disciples together and he rebuked them. For their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. So Jesus is rebuking them. But this is in, an, in and of itself is also very beautiful. Because when you think about being rebuked, I don't know what comes to your mind, but like shame comes to my mind. I'm like, ah. But the goodness of God isn't like that. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. So his goodness shows up. So it's not like that. In the next verse, this is really cool. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That unbelieving crew. That's what he said. Go, go into all the world and preach the good news to everybody. You, you people who I had to show, who I had to tell again and again, you, I believe in you. I believe in you. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my word. I've given you the knowledge. I've given you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. I've given you the gift of tongues so that you can pray and know and understand all things. Go preach. 
go teach. Am I qualified to give this message? Yes. Who qualifies me? Jesus. You're as qualified. Jordy's qualified. Can you continue to hide in sin? No. Do you need to confess it? Yes. Is it scary? Yes. But build a community of love and acceptance where the words on the wall say, you belong here. Oh, I just, the overwhelming goodness, kindness of God. So my first point is just listen. Had she listened? Had she listened the very first time she'd have been in Galilee? Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. It comes before speaking. Be quick to hear. He didn't say don't speak. He said be quick to hear. And train yourself and teach yourself. If You know, if you have to do some natural things to learn how to hear, you know, in the natural, like just engaging in other conversation, it will help you. It will help you listen for the voice of God. And do what Pastor Joel's been teaching us. Get yourself a white chair. (laughs) And begin to have time, routine time with God, where you just come in and check in and say, how are we? How are we, God? How's it going between you and me? Is there anything we need to talk about? Put yourself in a place that you can hear. Spend time in the Word. Spend time at a place like this. Listen to podcasts. I mean, we are without excuse. In this country, we are without excuse. I, we, you, could, you could watch Gospel Truth TV 24-7. Roku, you, you, bring it, you could have it streamed into your home nonstop. We are absolutely without excuse, except for when we say, I don't have time. So then let's just monitor where we're spending our time. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) The second one is slow to speak. And this one I just want to like spend a little bit of time on because, um, let me just find my, my notes here. I put here, learn how to ask, slow to speak, not just any words. So I put, I wrote this down. Maybe we should choose our words wisely. Maybe we should decide what we want to say. I, I really have a concern about this confession thing from this standpoint. Is confession important? Absolutely. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the power of what you say or don't say. But when you take words that are not given to you and given to someone else and say them because you want them to fit into your world, you're going to have trouble staying in faith. I really want to drive this home because I think of all the years that I've worked in church, is in a faith environment, in a faith church where words, we know words are important. Not everybody believes that. Somebody, some people just, oh, everything's just a killing them. They talk like that all the time. We don't. But when you find yourself in crisis, the very first thing you need to do is listen. Be quick to hear. 
And what are you listening for? The voice of your father, not the voice of the person beside you and what they did in crisis. It brings hope to you. When I give you a testimony of what I did in crisis, it brings hope to you. That's why it's nice to hear from Jordy and Wendy and Kyla and Herb and Shirley. It's good. This is what these people did. This is what they went through. But you really need to choose your words based on what you hear from the word of God and from the spirit of God just in conversation with him because he knows you. Like the way that he talks to me is not going to be the way he talks to you. And it's going to be based on who you are and what your personality is. And he'll use different ways to communicate with you. You need to hear from him. When a while ago, like several years ago, there was a lady that we knew from a Baptist church and they contacted us and they needed healing for their daughter who was diagnosed with cancer. And so they said, they phoned us and said, would you pray? And we said, sure. And then Lawrence really had it on his heart. He said, no, he said, we need to go there. Like they didn't live in this city, they live somewhere else. So um, we phoned him back and we said, we'd like to come visit you. And they said, okay. So we like, uh, like, like, like what are we going to say? Like, I, you know, I could just fill in anything. I, ne- I need words. Yeah. I need the right words. So we prayed and we talked it over. And when we were on our way to Calgary, it was in Calgary, when we were on our way, I, I just thought I heard this inside me. They already have scripture. Oh, okay. So, so we talked about that. And I said, we're just going to join them. So when we got there, they were like, okay, so what should we do? What do you think? What do you guys got for us? And they all just sat there. And so we looked at each other, Lawrence and I, and then we said, well, what has God said to you? Well, this was unfamiliar to them because, you know, they didn't operate the same way we did. And this lady says, well, I, I have this scripture in Psalms that I keep thinking about. And so I said, where is it? So we went to where this scripture was and we read it and it was amazing. It, it basically said, this person will be well. It was like an amazing scripture. And I said, God spoke to you. God talked to you. I'm here to join your faith. He already told you what to do. Be quick to hear and speak what you hear. So this is where you need to dwell. So we, we all prayed together and then we left. But that's a really good reminder to me. I can't speak your words. They're your words. They're your life. I can't do anything for you. Like working in the pastoral side of things. So often you, you, um, you meet people in crisis. You know, like the marriage might be falling apart or your finances are falling apart or something else is falling apart. And I want to fix that, but I'm not God. I don't even have a clue what you need except for the general will of God. I can share with you and teach you and show you what God's will is in the fact that he's good and he wants good things for you. So I know there's a plan and we can pray provision. And this is one other thing that I would just like to say while I'm up here. (laughs) That's why I have the mic in my hand. You can't speak over someone else's life. Words of faith that they don't agree with. You only have control over you. And we know that because nobody can get you out of a situation you're in until you decide you want something to change. Unless something changes in your life, nothing's going to change anyway. 
If you get up tomorrow and do the same thing you did today and want a different life, you're crazy. It doesn't work that way. Something, if you want something different, you have to do something different. So then you have to speak those words. So you need to worry about you and I need to worry about me and we need to meet each other and assist each other and communicate with each other and love each other and pray for each other. Is that okay? So glad you're still here. (laughs) I get very stern. So we need to learn how to hear and then we need to learn how to speak. Be brave. Don't assume that you have to do things by yourself, which beautiful testimony today. Jesus said, if you run into trouble of any sort, that he would help you. If you don't mind to now turn to James or yeah, James. One verse two to eight. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, troubles of any kind. I'm so glad that it says of any kind, because a lot of the troubles that we have are self-inflicted. And he didn't say only the troubles that someone else puts on you, he said, any kind. If you have trouble of any kind, doesn't matter if you, it's because you live in a world that has trouble and you just might encounter it. Doesn't matter if you're in trouble because you're close to someone else and they've wrecked havoc in your life because you were connected to them. Could be that. Could be a, a wrong decision that you made. Like you didn't go to Galilee when you should have. That was self-inflicted. Like any kind. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not just because you're in trouble. Next one. For you know that when your faith is tested, these troubles aren't coming from God. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, you have trials, tests of any kind, and you need wisdom. Who needs wisdom? Yeah. Ask our generous God. Ask. So what do you speak? You speak the right words, you look for the words, and then you ask for help. You ask, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And that word rebuke is upbraided. It's the same word that Jesus, when Jesus had his disciples together there and he rebuked them, same word. So when you ask, he's not going to rebuke you for asking. He's not going to say, ah, Why are you here? No, I think he wants us to ask because he gives more and more grace to the humble. He gives more and more grace to the people who say, I need help. Thank God. He gives more and more grace to me because I need him, because I desire him, because I want him, because I can't live without him. Next one. But when you ask. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. 
Okay, this is huge. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. When you come to God and ask him for something, you have to believe that what he said, like, I'll meet you in Galilee, is really what he meant. You have to believe that he's going to be there when you get there. So whatever scripture you're standing on or believing, you have to believe that that's actually true. When you, and when you ask for wisdom, he said he's a generous God and he's not going to rebuke you. He's going to say, I've got lots of wisdom for you. But here's the kicker. You're going to have to do what he says. And you're going to have to take your hands off the how. Ooh, ooh. You have to take your hands off the how. The who he uses, the where he tells you to go. There's probably people sitting in here who God has spoken to you about a number of things. I need you to go to school. I need you to join a team. I need you to get involved. I need you to reach out. Jordy knew you need to tell somebody. The Holy Spirit told him. We're not listening. We're not speaking. What he said to you to do is dependent upon you unraveling that ball of wine that is twisted around and around and around and around. You want out of it? You go to that God who said, I will give it to you generously, troubles of any sort, any kind, and I'm going to give it to you. But when you come, you have to believe that I'm actually going to do it, and you're going to have to listen to what I say. And you don't get to decide who God uses. That's the two-sided coin. There's always your responsibility, and then there's God's responsibility. And a lot of times we want to check up on God, and we want to tell God how he's going to answer our prayer. And by the way, I want it done this way. And could you just pray over these people that they say this and that they do this? No, no, I can't. The only person that I can pray and do that for is me. And I can agree with you if that's what you want. So you should be over here thinking, what's my checklist? What am I not doing? What has God told me? What should I be dwelling on? What scriptures has he spoken to me? What what words has he given to me? Where's my Galilee? What has he where has he said he would meet me? You're praying about a new job and you just want that new job to come and God says, go take this course. Well, I can't. I'm afraid. I don't know. I'm not that bright. I never finished high school. I, I don't know. It's an endless, endless list. Well, I might have to take upgrading and then it'll take me a long time and we don't have any money and who's going to pay for that and who's going to look after my kids. Okay. Okay. I know it's real. It's real, right? Like I, you want to take this scripture and take it home and put it on your kitchen counter and make that work in your marriage and make that work with your children. Be quick to hear. How does that look when your teenagers? Ah. How does that look? How does that look? I, 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 I'm, I'm of a firm believer that one of the best things, truths about parenting is just have a good sense of humor. <laughs> Wouldn't that be true? It doesn't matter what age they are. Just, could you just learn to laugh at yourself and could you just learn to laugh at them? Could you just learn to laugh and not go to bed cranky? That was a, that was just a really, really challenging thing for me sometimes. <laughs> and I had great kids. But 
we have to learn, we have to make this work in our homes, in our marriages. You know, one of the things that was really challenging for me is learning this scripture. You be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to take offense and to get angry is the fact that these things that I did not do, that I did not do, were affecting my marriage. I've been married to this wonderful man for 31 years this fall. I know. Oh, and I, so Jordy, you're five and five dating. I don't, I looked at Lawrence and I said, how long, how, how many years would it be about dating? And neither one of us remember. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> but it was the, the things that he told me at home. These were the statements that I often heard, like not, not every day, but if there was uh, contention in the home or, or pressure or something in the home, you don't listen. You're so defensive when I try to tell you. No, I'm not. That was, that, honestly, you laughed. That was, that was, honest to God, that was my reply. It really would, no, I, no, I'm not. Well, you, no, 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 no. And I could hear inside me, I could hear that scripture. And I could hear God, like, pushing at my heart. Sheila, Sheila, come away. Come away. Something's not right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, if we would just listen when we know, like, something's wrong. Instead of pushing through and just saying the repetitive confessions. And that's what I mean about confession. Please don't take me wrong. I think confessing the word is extremely important. But you have to be saying faith-based words that come out of your heart. Your heart and your mouth have to be in agreement for this to work. You can't just grab it and put it in your mouth and speak it and then your heart be facing this way. It doesn't work. They have to be in agreement. These things that you're speaking from here that God has showed you have to be things that you've allowed to permeate in your heart. You've had to, time to process it, time to do the things that God has given you to do so your faith grows. So I had to take this into my home. It's really nice that I was making it work in the leadership sessions, but it has to begin to work in the home. And I actually began to see the word take root inside my heart and I wouldn't be quick to respond. And, I, and that's not to mean that we had like a terrible marriage. We don't, we never have. We've really always had a really good marriage, but each one of us knows things could be just, couldn't they be just a little bit better? Couldn't your life, even if you have the best life, couldn't it just be just a little, just, just a little, just a little bit better. And I began to work on that. And I began to work on it at my, in my team setting. We're working for Pastor Joel and Jamie. I had to face the fact that I was extremely defensive when they made change. I was extremely defensive. <laughs> but now, like, I'm like, okay, what's next? God his word working inside of you works, but it's a process, but we need to hear and we need to speak. And what do we need to speak? The words that God gives us and we need to ask questions. And if we go to the God who gives generously, we have to believe that he's going to actually give it to us. We can't be like one day thinking, oh, this is not working and I'm not going to, I don't know how it's going to, and they say, well, yeah, yeah, God's helping. Like, 
No, you have to be one. You have to be one. One with your mouth, one with your heart, one with your eyes. Focused. I hope it's really my heart to bring this in a practical setting to you. I hope this is helpful to you. Number three of this is be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry because the anger of man doesn't promote the righteousness of God. Now, we're not talking about righteous anger. You know, when Jesus went into the temple and and all of them, they were changing, doing business there, and he overthrew all the tables. Like, he was angry. But it wasn't human anger. I'm not talking about the anger that's against sin. I'm talking about the anger that's rooted in pride. All contention comes from pride. Proverbs says that. And that was, that was a, when, when I heard that scripture, I actually went, ouch. So if you have contention in your life, there's a pride issue. Lawrence always says to me, do you want to be right or do you want to make right? Do you want your world to be right? You just want to walk around, no, I'm right. It's a big difference. So you have to be honest and you have to be willing to say, okay, you know what? I'm mad. I'm mad at somebody. You have to be honest. It's just a lot of honesty here. So you have, you know, and, and until you are willing to be honest with yourself, with yourself, with your very own self, and to those around you, nothing changes. Because you just keep living in this fog. Amen. So don't be offended. So number one, be quick to hear. Number two, be slow. Ah, slow to speak. And do not get angry and don't be offended. You're going to have to walk with the Holy Spirit to do all these things. I mean, these, these things in and of themselves, these points, are sermons all on their own, right? Ingrid, Pastor Ingrid often talks about not being offended. I don't know anything that would derail you faster than offense. The moment you get offended when someone has hurt you and you get offended, it just, it's, you might as well just stand with your arms wide open and say, come on in, devil, and just give me any old thought because I'm mad and I'm hurt and I'm out for vengeance. And nothing good comes from that. And the interesting thing about offense is God gives more and more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So when you actually say, like Jordy did today, I, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. I need help. That's humble. Grace, grace, grace just comes moving, moving like a, like, like moving like a race car. Here's grace. The person who says, no, I got this. I got this. Then God says, okay. He doesn't resist you in the sense, okay, well, he doesn't love you. He just says, okay, let me know when you need me. I'm here. I learned a really valuable lesson. We've been, I just, we've been, I'll just close with this story. We've been doing some renovations and they've, caught, they've taken a, a while, like I think about a year and a half, to, to, to do the things that we are doing. And I'm okay with that. Some people said to me, man, 
You like, you like that? You like living with, with that? Actually, I'm not a decorator, so I actually like the time to digest what was happening and to make decisions and everything. But in the beginning, when we started, somebody gave me some words that were really challenging because I, you know, you can, when God offers to do something for you, he's like, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Like, it's a lot of money and take a lot of time and I'm okay. You know, it's kind of like when somebody says, I'll buy you lunch. No, it's okay. I've got money. Like, there is nothing wrong with you saying, oh, thank you. Like, that's learning how to receive. And I think, I wonder sometimes the goodness of God, if we don't just have a hard time understanding, we have a hard hard time understanding it, but accepting the fact that we didn't do anything to get where we are or, or the love that we've got. The love that God gives us, we did not earn it. We don't deserve it. We do not deserve it. And that's the beautiful thing about it is I don't have to earn it. But you do have to say, okay, I'll let you go ahead and do that. So the challenging words that came to me personally were, why don't you let God do this for you? Because I was kind of like, well, you know, it's okay. And, I, and it just grabbed my heart. And those things are what I'm talking about hearing. When I say to you, when something grabs your heart, what are you hearing? When you're reading the scripture and something grabs your heart, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? And that you're not doing or you're not paying attention to. Go back to that. So when these words came to me, I, 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 I thought, you mean, do you mean like, like God would want to do that for me? It's not something. We talk a lot about his goodness. We talk a lot about how he's our healer and how he takes care of our finances. And then we go home and get in our own house and think, how am I going to pay the bills? <laughs> we just, we worry and fret and stew like it's not even true. So I took this as a challenge, as a personal challenge to myself. And one day I walked out in the kitchen and I literally threw my hands in the air. I was so emotional. And I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and let you do this for me. It's a huge statement. Like, you know, it'd be like you walking into your father's house and he said, you know, I've got this for you. And you said, okay, dad. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and let you buy me that. I'm just going to go ahead and let you take care of that. You know how I can remember sometimes Aaron phoning and needing help and Dad would just come running over, you know, fix the car, change the tire, do whatever. And then Colton came along. <laughs> okay, we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> and then when she had an accident, we were kind of glad. Ah, <laughs> oh, Aaron. So I just decided... <laughs> so I just decided I'm going to go ahead and let God do that for me. And the moment I said it, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to live in this zone. This is going to have to become reality for me. So I would often remind myself, and almost everything about my house was a, a, an amazing journey of his goodness. But I had to take my hands off the who, the how, and the where. So when it came to the flooring, I wanted this particular kind of flooring. So I had it in my mind. So I would go out and I would get these samples and I would bring them home and I'd show Lawrence. <laughs> and he said, what? No, we're not. That's like uh, what I liked and what he liked 
they weren't, they weren't meshing. So I said, well, that's okay. We're going to find something. I thought, Father, help me. Help me find something. So I brought him in to the whole thing. So one day, and, and we did this many times. So, you know, like sometimes we have it set in our mind. Okay, I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to do it one time, and I'm going to speak it, and I'm going to go here, and it's going to be just like this. You don't get to decide that. That's not your job. That's what this is what I'm speaking to myself. That's not your job. Remember, what's your job? Believe God. Go to Galilee. What's God's job? Use people. Bring it to pass. Make it happen. He's going to use you because he knows that you've been asking God, please use me. Then he speaks to you and it takes a while for you to listen. I'm over there waiting. It is true in some sense, right? We're talking back and forth with God. Are you really using me? Did you really say that? So I'm over here and I brought home this sample and Lauren said, Oh, I like that. Oh, okay. We have, we have some, we have, we found one. So then I go get a price. Oh, <laughs> apparently him and I have very good taste. <laughs> so. That's not going to work because we have a budget and we've decided on a certain amount in our budget. So then I thought, okay, Lord, so, okay, now here's where the reality of faith hits. You know, you think things have to go a certain way. You're believing God for healing. You're believing God for finances. You have to kind of let go of some things. You have to go back to what you know is actually true. What do I know in this situation that's true? God's good. He loves me. He knows what I need. He knows that I'm on a faith journey with him. And I'm not going to hold him in a box and tell him it has to come here or there. It has to be done a certain way. I'm just going to believe God. So I had to tell myself this over and over. So I thought, well, maybe this isn't the floor. I don't know. But it will be similar. Now I know kind of what we both like. So I took my hands off of it. Several months went by. And then I went... I got a price. I think I got a, I don't remember all the details, but I think I got a price from a couple, couple different places. Then I went back to the one place and said, well, this is the price I can get it. Can you do better? You know, just normal bargaining stuff, normal stuff, just normal stuff, living my life, just normal. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm saying that because people get weird and they don't start doing the normal stuff that they're responsible for. You're responsible. Like when God tells you to do something, you're responsible to learn something about what he's telling you to do. He's not going to come down and give you money. He doesn't have any there. <laughs> Unless I gold streets, but he's not like he's making that Canadian cash and bringing it to my door. So I, I, I went back and I got another price. It's not great. So I tried a few other things. One night I'm sitting in my chair in my living room and I know the, the numbers, not the name. I know the numbers that's on the back of the sample. I typed it into Google. I'm, I'm not, this is where God's goodness really shows up because I'm not that person to research and dig and spend hours like, comparing flooring prices. But I typed it into Google, this number, and I get this ad and a little tiny picture. And I'm like, okay, who is this guy? 
So I clicked on it and found a name and a number and an email. So I emailed him and he said, yes, and here's the price. And it was a pretty good price. So he said, how much do you need? So then I sent back the, asked Lawrence, how much do we need? So I sent back that information and then he lowered the price even more. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot different price than the one I got. And I seriously thought, is this going to be like in the back of someone's truck somewhere on the side of the road? <laughs> and I'm going to show up and think, oh, is this, a leg- is this legit? Like, because sometimes it like, and so here I am questioning God's goodness, but I don't know. You know, and we got to hand it to these disciples. They didn't read the end of Mark. They're just living it in real time. He said, meet me in Galilee, but I saw him die. You know, then you're dealing with your senses. I, I saw him die. I saw that man die. You know, I, I can't really point my finger at him and say he's stupid. I can't. Because I, I find myself doing these things just even with this flooring. So then Lawrence called him. And we drove to Edmonton. And we actually went to this store. And I really seriously didn't even think it was going to be a legit flooring place. I really didn't. And it was. I walked in and I thought, oh, and then like, there's samples and books and things on the floor. And I thought, he said to me, he said, this flooring is relatively new and has become very popular. He said, so I just ordered a whole bunch of it. Oh, so he could blow it out the back door for a really good price. And we just loaded up the truck and went home. God, and so everything in that journey has a story, but it's all different. Different people, different ways, different means. You have to hear. Then you have to speak. And you cannot get in the zone of offense. And that means not getting mad at God because you don't think he's doing it the way you want him to. Or you think that he's a, a, a someone who's going to meet your needs. And then you come across like, well, I don't know what's going on here, God. Don't question God like that. Like, he's God. Like, let's not forget who he is. He's our God. We may not understand, so then the onus is on us. And yes, if there is something wrong, it will be on us. But he's not going to rebuke us, he said. He's not going to rebuke us. And when we don't get in faith, what did he do? Go preach the gospel. Get busy. Get up off the floor so it didn't work up. So it didn't work out. Get up. Cry a little bit if you have to. Go meet your friends. Have a coffee. But get up and get going. You okay? (laughs) I yell sometimes, don't I? (laughs) So I want to close like this. There will probably be a lot of things that the Holy Spirit, I'm believing God. I'm anointed to teach the word of God so people get it. That's the mandate that's on Pastor Joel and Jamie, and I've taken that. So I thought, Lord, use me. Use me to rekindle a dream. Use me to spark somebody that's not doing what they should be doing, is not heard right. Use me. So whatever has happened in your heart, can you take note of it? Like, don't let this moment escape you. I don't know what's going on, but God does. God knows what you need. Don't go out the door and let tomorrow be the same as today. Mark this day, August 25th. The Holy Spirit reminded me 
go to Galilee. Remember? Or the Holy Spirit told me one new thing. Remember? Or he said, this is the path and you're going to have to make preparation begin today. Remember? Remember we had that chat? Remember one time you were praying and you thought inside yourself, I should do this? Remember? It's like the angel showed that lady in the tomb. See? See? You didn't hear him, but can you see? He's not here. What is it? What is it that God has put inside you today? What is it that he's speaking to you? Because I know the Holy Ghost is here and it will be there. So we're going to pray, you and I. You're going to take that now, what I've just challenged you with, and you're going to put that in your hand, kind of, like imaginary kind of thing. And you're going to put it in your hand, and you're going to mark this day. Now, we'll have a, a, a group of people up here at the end. If you want to speak that, I really encourage you to come out and tell somebody what God said to you. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Put it in your notes. Put it on your calendar. Do not, do not not hear what he said to you today. So I'm going to pray with you. Just take a moment. Just, can we just close our eyes for a second? Oh, here's my girl with the beautiful shoes. Let's just take a moment before we pray. So use this music. And you're talking to the Holy Ghost now. You might have to set some things right. You might be mad at somebody. You might be mad at God. I don't know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you're good. You're good. We know that. You are good. We know that. Okay what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And when I'm praying, I want you to say, like, as I'm praying, say, yes, 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 I agree with that. Like, say it out of your own mouth, just under your breath. And then after, if you want to come up and meet with one of these people for prayer and, and make it public with them, I encourage you to do that. Okay, let's pray. Father, ah, oh, thank you, Father. I'm, I'm so thankful to you for who you are to us, for what you've provided to us, for your kindness and your goodness to us. Today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, probably lots is going on. So personally, Lord, I just want to mark this day. I, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you say this. And I, I'm, I've not dwelt here long enough. I've not dealt with this. I've not put this in place. I heard you today. I heard you. I heard you. Be quick to hear. I heard you. Slow to speak. So I want to choose my words wisely today, Lord. I want my words to be words that are going to change my circumstance. So we acknowledge you as being our Lord. And if I need to forgive somebody today, so right now we're going to do this. Father, I just forgive willingly help me to walk that out now sometimes that's got that has soulish things attached to it because your feelings attached to that can you help me lord you said if 
if I came to you needing wisdom, it wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter what the what the circumstance was, how the trouble had came, whether it's I did it or someone else did it, or it's just because I live in a fallen world. You said you generously give me wisdom, and I expect that today. I expect to receive it. Oh, I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. Tomorrow will be different. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I believe Mr. Smith is coming to take the offering. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.